Howdy, howdy, hey! This is episode one of Home Turf, a battalion sports podcast. The battalion is Texas A&M's very own student-run newspaper, and we are coming at y'all live with your favorite assistant sports editors. I'm Jennifer Streeter, and this is Casey Stavenhagen. Now let's go ahead and get into some sports action today. So today we're going to be talking about men and women's March Madness, A&M soccer, A&M softball, A&M baseball, A&M Springs upcoming football game, and A&M track. So let's go ahead and get started with March Madness. Now, one thing big that uh, happened a couple days ago is uh, senior J.J. Chandler, uh, he has entered the transfer portal. Now, J.J. Chandler, he played 110 games with A&M. He averaged 8.2 points per game this year. And he's going to be joining graduate Kevin Marfo on a transfer and... Um, Jackson Young, walk-on guard Jackson Young. Now, there is no word yet on the two other seniors for AM's men's basketball team uh, on Savion Flag or on Quentin Jackson, but on Twitter, Savion Flag did reply to JJ Chandler's transfer announcement tweet, and he said, Gonna miss you, brother. So that could be some sort of hint of a Savion Flag return uh, due to the NCAA allowing seniors to have another year of eligibility uh, because of the COVID pandemic. Um, but it's, it's yet to be seen. And, and A&M men's basketball, they, they had a pretty shabby season, uh, finished 8-10, and 10, and, you know, no shot at March Madness for them. They knew it wasn't going to happen. And uh, Buzz Williams was actually, it, post-game, uh, their last defeat to Vanderbilt, he was just, really focused on improving for next season. He talked about, you know, there's a mountain to climb, and we're going to climb that sooner rather than later. And, and they've got high hopes. They've got some good recruiting talent coming in. They've got transfers coming in. And, and it seems they have high hopes for next season. You know, they'll have Emmanuel Miller back. He was really the, the helm of AM's offense this year. and it, it, It's promising. You know, that's a very good point, Casey. You know, you always have to be on the lookout for tweets from athletes. And, you know, especially, you know, with just the different rules this year and everything, that's always something that's good to point out, you know. And I guess it's TBD on what that means. But, yeah, I agree. You know, men's team did have a fairly – men's basketball did have a fairly rough season, you know. And, you know, I agree with Buzz. You know, next year they're going to have to climb that mountain. And just, I guess, as Aggies, you know, all everyone can do is really just – you know, hope for the best and keep on supporting them. And, you know, hopefully they find their groove next next season and can get into the swing of things. And like Buzz says, you know, climb that mountain. That's absolutely right. And and for women's basketball, it's the other yeah, side it's, of the Yeah, you know, really. it's, um, it's kind of the opposite, so. Yeah, and so they're, they're coming in at a two seed. They're going to be playing Troy on Monday. Uh, you know, coached by Gary Blair, very prolific head coach. They're coming in at a two seed playing Troy, but a lot, a lot of people are pretty upset about that two seed. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say I am definitely one of those people who is upset by the two seed. You know, I think it was a little disrespectful to Coach Blair and, you know, his program. You know, they were the regular season SEC champions in the regular seasons, their only loss was to LSU, who they then came back and defeated, you know, later in the season, just being at those games, covering them, watching them. They really are just such, such a strong team. And 
as you said, you know, Coach Gary Blair, he really is amazing. He's such an iconic coach, you know. He and he re- not only does he really care about his players, but he cares about the coverage his players get, you know. He's come up to me multiple times and said, "We really appreciate the work you and the battalion are doing covering us and you know, I want you to know like he goes to pick up a copy of the Eagle and the Battalion like every single day for free from the Hilton." I forgot who told me that. I, I'm pretty sure it was our head sports editor, Hannah Underwood. So shout out to her for that knowledge. But yes, Gary Blair is iconic. And I definitely think, you know, the two seed was a little bit disrespectful. It was a little bit of a, you know, nudge in the wrong direction, in my opinion. And I, I agree with you about Gary Blair. That's an absolutely incredible man. But as far as the two seed goes, I'm not entirely sold on A&M's case as a one seed. Now, they were the regular season SEC champions, uh, and they, they strung together an incredible regular season. But I, I think it's important to acknowledge that they did falter in the tournament, and mm-hmm. South Carolina won that tournament. That is true. And that got South Carolina a spot as a one seed. And you look at the other one seeds, you've got NC State, you've got Stanford, and and one other team that that's slipping my mind right now. But those all those one seeds are really strong. They're very competitive, and I think if A&M really wanted that one seed, if it was really important, they would have had to have put together a better performance in the SEC tournament. And it wasn't like it was a loss in the final round of it either. You know, it was was what was it a second round loss in the SEC tournament? I, I believe so. Yeah, and that's a good point. So, though I I mean I I agree. I will say I agree with that. You know. My only thing was, like, I wish the regular season play was looked at a little bit more. Like, I agree the tournament is obviously important. It's very impactful, but I don't know. Yeah. It's it's very, like, a double-sided coin for me. It's very, like, okay, I can see why they could be a one seed, but at the same time I could see why they, they'd be a two seed. But, you know, it is what it is at this point. Like, I think everyone is just rooting for them. You know, we're hoping to see – that they go as far as they can, and I'm certainly very excited to watch them. I'm sure you're excited to watch them. I'm sure everyone's excited to watch them. So, um, yeah, it's it's gonna be incredible. And, and speaking of women's March Madness, now everyone's oh, talking gosh. about the weight rooms right now and all the inadequacy and the inequality going on with that. And you know, the women's weight room was just a pile of dumbbells. It was pretty horrible but mm-hmm. uh i believe two hours ago as of recording uh oregon's um what was her name uh she's one of the ones that made the initial tiktok and and got the got, got the, the attention, attention really right to the matter. uh sedona price uh or sedona prince excuse me there you go sedona prince she made a tiktok two hours ago and it looks like they have a fully fleshed out weight room now it you know, they only appear to have about six or seven racks. It doesn't look as good as the men's, but something has been done. I mean, and you but know... still just absolutely terrible mm-hmm. happened in the first place. Yeah, you know, that's good that it's been improved now, but, like, my thing is it should have been like that from the start. Like, absolutely. there's absolutely, like, no excuse for that. Like, it sh- that weight room for the women's should have been that way from the start. And, you know... The weight room wasn't the only issue with March Madness. You know, I saw this tweet that went totally viral where it was about, like, the swag bags that the players got. And, like, they showed the swag bag that the men's team got, the men's players got. And, like, all of the stuff that was in that swag bag covered, like, the entire hotel bed. 
and then you saw the pic, a picture side by side to that where it was a woman's a woman's player swag bag, and like in that swag bag, it was literally just like they got like a sign, a t-shirt, some pens, like a scrunchie, a towel, and that was it. Whereas like the men's swag bags, like they got something that like it literally filled up the entire bed. And the women's swag bags, you know, what was in it only f- probably filled up a small corner of the hotel bed. Yeah. So it, it's just... And, and this triggered reactions from a lot of people. Even, you know, Steph Curry jumped in on this and voiced his opinion that this is just... It's messed up. It's not right what's happened. And it, it's good that they're working to right those wrongs now, but shouldn't have happened in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a frustrating situation because obviously it's understandable, like, men's basketball brings in money. Like, everyone knows that. We get that. But, like, you have schools like Texas A&M, like us, where our women's basketball team is so good, does bring us some profit, you know? So it's just one of those things where it's just like, we have to do better. They have to do better by them, you know? And that's what it is. And hopefully Texas A&M with their performance in March Madness can hopefully bring about some of that change, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, those girls, all of those girls involved in March Madness, involved in regular season women's basketball, you know, they work their tails off. They try, they put in just as much effort as any other collegiate athlete does. And for them to not receive the same equipment is, is wrong. But speaking of women athletes that put in a lot of effort, A&M soccer, they've got a game upcoming. I, I think you know a little bit about that, Jenny. Yes, let's go ahead and get into my sport that I've played since I was seven. So I'm very excited for them this year, very excited to kind of look at that sport as a journalist. I think that'll be very interesting for me at, to do that as a journalist and not a player. Little little switch for me there. But, um, yeah, A&M soccer, you know, they've had a couple exhibition matches, and, um, you know, they obviously played in the fall as well. Um, for their exhibition match, most recent exhibition match was against North Texas on Saturday, February 20th, and it was a 1-0 to win. And then after that, they were scheduled to have another exhibition match against Baylor. However, that was canceled. And then their first kind of like official game of the spring slate was against Rice. And it was on this past Monday, March 15th. And unfortunately, it was a very close game, but it was a two to three loss for the Aggies in overtime. And, you know, Casey, I kind of think you and I should talk a little bit about that because, you know, that's the first time. Texas A&M soccer has lost to Rice. In, yeah, so I, what's going on there? I, you know, they, they lost to Rice. That's their first time losing to Rice in 20 or so years, you know. And in the, in the press conference, like in the, quote, in the quotes, you know, Coach G, was, he was shocked. He was really disappointed with the result. And to be honest, let me read it to you right here. He said, I'm really disappointed with the result. I can't remember the last time we gave up a two-goal lead to lose giving up a goal with 18 seconds left in the first half and the winner with 17 seconds left in the first OT is unlike us. But you have to give Rice credit. So, you know, sounds like it was very much like back and forth game and there were just in critical moments, the Aggies were just unable to deliver and unable to stop the other team's momentum. So do you think this uh, that loss has any indication of a and season outlook on soccer? I definitely think so. So actually tonight, which is Saturday, March 20th, I guess tonight, as in when we're recording this, but um, 
This is going to be their first home game, which is a turn it gold match. It's um, where the proceeds, you know, go to cancer and everything like that. Very, very honorable. They will be playing Louisiana and not LSU, but, um, but Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. And, um, you know, I think they are really going to come out tonight in front of the 12th man with something to prove from that Rice game. I don't think the Rice game, like, since it wasn't such a devastating loss, I don't think it provides a negative outlook on the rest of the season. But what I think it does do is, you know, with it being a one-goal loss in overtime, I really think it's going to light a fire under this team. And I really think that they're going to come out in front of the 12th man with just something to prove and just try and absolutely be dominant. And I really do think that they're going to be able to establish some dominance. You know, the next three games in a row that they have are here, which then lead up to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, going into this se- this spring season, Coach G made and the pl- his players made it very clear they want to be holding up that trophy by the end of the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I think if they can turn around from this overtime Rice loss and let it light that fire for them, let, let it show that they need something to prove in front of the 12th man, I absolutely think they could get there. You know, this team has a lot of potential. Kenna Caldwell, she is absolutely outstanding in goal. So I, I, think, I think they can do it. I think they just, got, they just got, got to get over that little bump in the road, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and we'll see if you've got a crystal ball and if, if you're predicting the future here. And uh, by the time that this is uploaded, we'll see if that came true. We will and, see. Uh, Moving on to AM softball. softball now today, as of recording, uh, all of the SEC softball teams are wearing teal in honor of Alex Wilcock, a, a former Mississippi, Mississippi State, State yes. She passed, she passed away in 2018 from ovarian cancer, and, and she played in eight games while on chemotherapy as a freshman at Mississippi State. That's just so, so inspiring. Like, that's just so inspiring to hear that. Sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off, but, like, you know, it's that's obviously, like, such a sad story. And what's even more sad to think about is, like, Casey, I don't know what year you were born in, but, like, Alex, like, Miss Wilcox was born in 1999. Like, I'm born in 1999. Same year as I'm born in I'm born in 1999, too. Like, that's just so crazy to think about. And just to think about, like, that drive and that determination and her strength that, you know, she was, like you know what, I'm going through chemotherapy right now, but I'm not going to let it stop me. Like, I'm going to go play my sport. I'm going to go do what I love, and I'm going to go stay out there and be on that field with my team. Like, yeah, it, that's incredible. It's absolutely tragic, but, you know, an incredibly motivating story and, and really a hero at Mississippi State. And it's great to see all of these SEC schools honoring her and, and honoring what she did and her battle. For sure, but, um, you know, with that, Obviously, like, thoughts and prayers are with her family always, but um, I guess let's kind of summarize how Texas A&M softball is doing while we're on the subject. So, Texas A&M softball currently has a 19-3 and overall record. Very good. One of, their, one of those three losses was against then number 25, Tennessee. It was a very close 2-3 to three loss. Um, I was actually at that game, and, you know, in the very last at-bat, for the Aggies, it could, it, I'm pretty sure it was the very last at bat, but I forgot which player it was, but we had her, she hit like a foul ball that literally looked like a home run. Like everyone in the stadium was like on their feet and everything. And it turned out to be a foul ball. So, but 
I think that with that, like, it shows the team's fight and it shows that they can hold their own against SEC opponents with how close that game was. And, you know, with that being said, they are about to open SEC play in an unusual Saturday, Sunday, Monday three-game series against LSU in Baton Rouge. So I think, um, you know, just with with how dominant they were in their preparation for SEC play, I think this team really does have the potential to go very far. And um, and speaking of unusual, I, I've heard that there's a pretty unusual and, and mysterious opt-out in the softball. Team. Yes, you know, I was writing my recap over their 5-1 to one win over McNeese and when I went and looked at the stats I was like oh that's weird and I looked at the roster and I saw that um one of our starters opted out right before SEC play started Jordan Campbell she's a sophomore she is an outfielder she's also in the in the batting rotation the starting batting rotation she starts in the outfield you know no nothing's been said about it like we haven't I haven't seen a word about it on social media I tried to pull up her stats on 12thman.com, and I got 404, error not found. The only place she's mentioned on the ro- on the roster now is at the very bottom where it says she's opted out. So, really... And, and nothing on her socials or anything. Nothing on her socials, because I, I checked her Twitter, and I checked her Twitter late last night. And when I checked her Twitter late last night, it still said, like, her number. It still said, like, Texas A&M softball, like, whatever number she was. So... Very interesting. Very interesting. Hopefully there is a little a little story there that, you know, I would love to report on once details become available. I don't know. I feel like the problem is I feel like those situations are so, so hush-hush right now, you know. Absolutely. So obviously if that's what she felt was the best decision for her, then as Aggies, I hope the Aggie fan base, you know, supports that and – who knows? Maybe maybe she'll be back. She could enter the transfer portal. Like, don't we don't know what's up. Hopefully, we can get some answers on that soon. You know. Yeah, and and speaking of getting answers, uh, AM baseball fans received some answers this weekend. Uh, there was a lot of questions going on about how this team was going to shape up in SEC play. Uh, they went on an eleven game win streak prior to Thursday, and. They just got completely swept by Florida. It was, uh, I believe, a 24-9 scoring deficit over the three-game series. Completely swept by Florida. Now, Florida, they are ranked number five in the country. Um, and what's interesting about that, actually, is SEC teams make up the top five NCAA baseball teams in the country. Number one is uh, Arkansas. A fun fact about Arkansas, actually, last year they graduated Heston Kerstad to the MLB draft. He was drafted a uh, second or third. He went to. He's from the same hometown as me. Played baseball at my high school. Kind of interesting. Ooh, there. very Number cool. Two is uh, yeah, yeah. We've got some fame out of Randall High School, <laughs> in Murray, Texas. Absolutely. Uh, Number two, Vanderbilt. Number three, Mississippi State. Number four, Ole Miss. And number five, Florida. The SEC is completely stacked in baseball and. A&M's going to have to figure something out if if they want to be able to keep up with that. And the 11-game win streak looked like a step in the in the right direction, but there's undeniable problems in their bullpen and their hitting rotation. And, and they had some good at-bats uh, over the weekend. Austin Boast was 7-for-13 uh, over the three-game series. 
But uh, notably, Will Frizzell, he's he's in the top 10 home run hitters in the NCAA. And he was completely silent this weekend. Hmm. So moving on to play Georgia next weekend, it it's kind of hard to tell the direction the A&M is going to be taking. It's It's been a complete roller coaster, really. And, you know, Casey, I feel like a parallel to that can kind of be drawn from what we were talking about with Buzz Williams earlier, how, you know, Buzz Williams said that next season is going to be is going to have to be Texas A&M men's basketball climbing a mountain. I feel like this season for Texas A&M baseball is kind of going to be have to be them climbing that tough SEC mountain, if you know what I mean. You know, I think I think that's a yeah, good absolutely. parallel for that. Absolutely. It absolutely is. And I mean, they they had a great season for what it was last year. Uh, they were ranked really high and. Hopes were high. They did graduate a lot of players into the MLB draft, or not a lot. I, I think it was three players into the MLB draft. I could be wrong about that. Um, Definitely more than one. So, so hopes weren't as high right. for this season, but it, it's time for A&M to really climb that mountain and put it to the test. And I think they've got a good opportunity against Georgia, not a ranked opponent, but nonetheless a strong SEC team. For sure. Well, you know. Let's just go ahead and get right into it, and let's talk about some football. So, Texas A&M spring football game, Saturday, April 24th. You're excited. I know I'm excited. You know, A&M has had the seventh recruiting class in the country with, you know, one five-star and 15 four-stars. Jimbo Fisher and his staff absolutely kicked butt when it came to recruiting. So, you know, I just think we should talk about some football a little bit. What do you think, Casey? Oh, I'm excited. I uh, love me some football. Love me some A&M football. So I'm I'm very excited about it. And and uh, the spring football game. It's always fun to go out there and, and watch the players. I'm not sure what the attendance is going to be like mm-hmm. uh, due to COVID. COVID I right. Know that it, I I believe it's limited attendance. But you know, I'm I'm just very excited for the upcoming season now. When Jimbo Fisher was at Florida State. Oh yes, let's get into this he comparison. Took a team I've been waiting to for the this. Orange Bowl. And his team with a veteran senior quarterback, mm-hmm. that team won orange the Orange Bowl. Bowl. And then the very next that year. quarterback then, what happened? Very next year, you know, they got, and it, you know, they had a new quarterback, and then they went on to win the Natty. So, this some year. Parallel, some parallels Some parallels there. can definitely be drawn there since, you know, obviously, in case anyone is unaware who is listening, which I doubt there is, but... Obviously, Texas A&M football won the Orange Bowl this year with Devon A-Chain as the MVP in that Orange Bowl. And, you know, Jimbo Fisher was asked in the press conference if he saw any parallels between that this team right now and his Florida State team at the time. And, you know, he kind of didn't answer. He kind of just laughed and said he knew he was going to get that question. But he did say absolutely, and he feels that whatever – a&M football as a program absolutely has everything in the cards for next year. And I just think with how recruiting went, I think it's definitely in the cards personally. And, man, I'm just really excited to cover some football next year. I don't know about you, Casey, but I'm just really excited to cover some Texas A&M football. It's going to be an interesting situation. It's going to be an interesting situation, especially at quarterback. I Yeah, you know. They've got talent there. Who's going to play? I believe they even picked up some recruits. They did, you know, and my pick, personally, I think King is going to get it. There is, you know, Zach Calzada. There are some new recruits, but, you know, me personally, I just think, you know, during that Alabama game this season when King got those 
got those reps in there on the field in the game. I don't know. And, you know, just people have. Yeah. And Fisher has said, like, Kings picked up the offense quick. He wants someone who knows the A&M offense on the field. He wants a quarterback who knows that A&M offense. He did come out and say that King picked up the A&M offense fairly quickly. So, yeah, it's kind of a Kellen Mon Nick Starkle situation. Um, you know, I, I'm a Calzada supporter. I, I like Calzada. Uh, but as you saw, you, you saw King get reps mm-hmm. in games. Yep. And you didn't see that from Calzada. And it just seems that Jimbo's leaning towards It seems he's King. leaning that way. And, you know, one thing I'll say is, I don't know about you, Casey, but I knew as soon as they televised that hug between Coach Fisher and Kellen Mond right after the Orange Bowl, I knew he was done. Like, I knew he wasn't coming back after yeah. I saw that. Like, that was just such a definitive such moment. Like, it was moment. such an emotional moment. And you could tell, like, just with how long they were hugging and stuff like that, like, that was like, I'm playing my last game under you, Coach Hug. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. Kellen Mond, first round draft pick, senior bowl MVP. I don't I think... think he's going to get a first round draft pick. I definitely think the senior bowl increased his draft stock. Um, I'm hoping for a second or a third round pick for him. Wish him nothing but the best. I think, you know, with the records he shattered this year, I'm, I'm hoping for second round for sure. Yeah, I can agree with that. I could see it late first round. I just don't know how much trust teams have in them. I have been seeing some uh, some bold predictions by some draft analysts that have them going in the first round, even in early first round. But there's a lot of quarterback talent in that draft. There so is. You know, it, we'll have to see. We will have to see. Um, I'm definitely excited to have a podcast where we just go in-depth and analyze the NFL draft. I'm really looking forward to that. But Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, and then... Speaking of future NFL draft, uh, Orange Bowl MVP, now he's a freshman, Devon A-Chain. He he was recruited as a dual athlete. And and you know what? I feel like uh, most people don't know that, Casey. Like, I really feel like most people don't know that he is a dual athlete, you know? Yeah, he absolutely is. And and where he excels outside of the football field and outside of the Orange Bowl, he excels in... Running the 200 meter, he set an NCAA leading 200 meter time of 20 seconds, 0.76 yesterday. I could not do that, so hats off to <laughs> hats off to him. You know, I don't think I could either. <laughs> I, I might be close, but I might not be able to match it exactly. Oh, you might be close. I would love to see Casey <laughs> Stavenhagen versus Devon A. Chain. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Devon, if you're listening, <laughs> you can. Send me a DM anytime, and I'll race you as long as I get a photo out of it. <laughs> I, I thought you were going <laughs> to say as long as you of, get a 15-second head breaking, start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I might, he would, yeah, he would probably win. <laughs> Even with the 15-second head start. Yes, um, I'll let uh, you take this, though. Talk about this record that Athing Mu just said. Let's let's go ahead and get into that. Athing Mu, she is just incredible that's a future olympian mm-hmm. right there is as soon as she gets her shot at the olympics i'm sure she's going to capitalize on that now she's a freshman here at texas a&m and she's in her collegiate debut she set the american under 200 or under 20 800 meter record with just over 20107 that's great and, and and she also is ranked number two all time in Aggie history, right, behind collegiate record holder Jasmine Frey. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right. Just, just not even half a second after. It's really incredible, and not a, only one meet after she broke a forty-year-old collegiate record in the six hundred meter. And, you know, just setting records all over the place. I believe she's been named uh, track and field athlete of the week eight times now. Eight times as a freshman. That's insane. Shout out to her. You go, girl. Yeah, absolutely killing it. Uh, Just a lot of talent, really, in in A&M track and field. Um, I believe the coach of that is is fairly famous. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, he definitely is. And, you know... I think Hannah wrote an amazing article about about the coach in in the forty eight years and counting. Yes, in the Spring Sports Magazine, it was an amazing article. I actually think we got, the sports desk got an email from I want to say his son. They absolutely. I think did. they got an email from his son about how they felt like that that was the best written article about his dad. So. Really big shout out to Hando and Hando he's been for that. for 48, 48 years. years. That's, and that was the best one. That's insane. Shout out to Hannah for that, you know, because I'm sure like... Hannah Underwood absolutely killed that piece. And, you know, like you said, with him coaching for 48 years, you know, he's probably had to have so many articles written about him. So for his son to email the battalion and say that he feels that the battalion put out the best article about his dad, you know, that that's some credit where credit is due. So Yeah, and, and all the talent that A&M track has uh, is absolutely to his credit. Absolutely. You know, it, it's it's not saying it's not possible, but Coach Henry undoubtedly brought a lot of that t- talent here, uh, whether it be Tyra Gittins, Aething Mew, Devon A-Chain maybe. It's, it's, it's just really kind of incredible to have that caliber of coach at the school I attend. You know what? I completely agree. It really is incredible. And you know what else was incredible? I think episode one of Home Turf was pretty incredible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think so, too. I hope I hope our audience thinks the same thing. Yes. We will be back for episode two at some point. And you know what? If you don't think episode one was incredible, we'll do better next time. You know, first time we're we're doing our best. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) We'll work. We're going to iron those wrinkles out and, and, and inevitably become podcast masters. I'm saying by episode four, we might overtake Joe Rogan. Oh, gosh. Episode four, we will be podcast masters. Okay, that is Casey's crystal ball, and he is calling it. But my name is Jennifer Streeter, and this was Home Turf, a battalion sports podcast with the other assistant sports editor, Casey Stavenhagen, coming at y'all live from Aggieland. This week's episode of Home Turf was produced and edited by Mitchell Bettingfield.